0: Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm Lee Pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching and listening from. You may notice I'm a little under the weather. I'm recovering from the flu. Uh, So hang with me it might be tough to hear me might have to turn the volume up this time around i may have to take some breaks but uh, I'm, i'm coming at you here today in recovery we're in week two of carols and we're unpacking some timeless christmas carols in the lead up to the big day, uh, Christmas Day. Now, by the way, uh, we are having Christmas Day service later this month, so if you're local, we'd love to have you join us for a special candlelight communion service at 10 a.m. on Christmas Day. We won't have an online teaching that day. This is in-person only, and we hope you'll make time on your Christmas Day to honor and worship Jesus. He's the reason we celebrate Christmas in the first place, right? Celebrate with us on that day. Last time, We got in the Old Holy Night, and I love that song. It's one of my favorites this time of year, and the phrase we really focused on comes at the end of the first verse, and it says this, A thrill of hope, the weary world, rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Our world's certainly weary right now, but Jesus brings the thrill of hope, doesn't He? We learn when you're feeling weary. Christ brings you what you need. He brings you the hope to keep going, and He brings you the help. That you need, uh, in, that you're seeking in your life. Now, how many of you guys, you know, you have some weird, crazy, maybe out of the ordinary Christmas traditions that you do with friends and family? Can you imagine bringing, you know, by the way, to somebody from the distant past into the 21st century? I mean, let's let's just say we took one of your nativity set figures—a Magi, a shepherd, one of those guys from 2,000 years ago and you put them here in the 21st century at Christmas time, what would they think of some of the traditions that we have around here? You know, like we cut down a tree, on the outside, uh, or we put up a fake one and bring it inside to decorate it. Ever thought about how strange that is? Or we take the lights, which are supposed to be inside, and we place them outside on the gutters. Then we take a, a poisonous plant—at least it's poisonous for our pets—mistletoe. Uh, we hang it up somewhere in the house, hoping we get a little lucky and the right person steps into our kissing trap. Right? You know. Then there's the stockings. We put giant socks over the fireplace because that's—that's that's not a hazard at all, right? Uh, we fill them with candy and toys and gift cards and all that kind of stuff. And as you're explaining to this person why we do these crazy things, someone knocks on your door and outside are complete strangers who don't want to rob you. They want to sing you to death with all the Christmas songs. It's kind of weird, right? And yet it's right in line with God. God sometimes does crazy, weird, like we never see that coming type stuff to bring about His purpose and His glory. Like taking a teenager named Mary and using her to bring His Son into the world who would save humanity from sin and death. This next Christmas Carol, it really celebrates that. It celebrates God doing something a little out of the ordinary, and at the same time, it spotlights how this extraordinary God Is doing something a little bit different, a little bit crazy. He chooses the ordinary, the mundane, the average type person as the first recipient of this good news. It's completely rooted in Luke chapter 2. So let's visit the the story first. Then we're going to jump into the carol itself. So Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, and he said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. Yes, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Look at verse 16. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger, and after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story, look at this, they were astonished. Mm. Charles Wesley, he wrote the poem this carols derived from in 1739, right off of the angel's message in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. George Whitfield put it to music in 1754, and hark the herald angels sing as we know it was born. Now, I, I like a lot of carols, but this one is my number one favorite. The message is so powerful. It's so clear. It's so celebratory, right? But you know, where I really want to focus today is on what might be the most powerful phrase in all the song. Look at this. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's what was happening when Jesus was born. It was the beginning of God extending His hand to humanity, stepping forward, initiating a reconciliation to all who would accept His offer. Now, we mentioned this last time, but there have been 400 years of prophetic silence in Israel. It wasn't that God wasn't speaking through dreams or visions or his word. I believe he was just as he does today, but you didn't have angelic visits. You didn't have prophets saying, hear the word of the Lord, like an Isaiah or a Jeremiah. 400 years of prophetic silence, and it's broken on this night by these angels. Now, who do they break the silence to? Well, that's the twist in the story, isn't it? Like God doesn't send these angels to ruler rulers like Herod or Caesar. He doesn't even send them to his own priests in Jerusalem. Instead, he chooses the people who are on the lowest rung of the social ladder, sleeping under the stars with their sheep. He chooses the shepherds. Now, shepherds are necessary for your activity set, right? Like you can't have a nativity set without shepherds. If you mention shepherds or Christmas together, most folks, because of those nativity sets, they know what you're talking about. It makes sense to put them together, but if you were talking to someone in Jesus' day, they would find it really strange. It was inconceivable that these guys would be the first to receive this earth-shattering news that a Savior had been born, but it reveals how much God really does love and care for us. What God offered the shepherds on that night is what Jesus offers us today. First, He offered them acceptance, and I would say the same thing today, that Christ offers us acceptance as well. The angels in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, they, they said, the message of good news is for all the people. Man, don't skip past that. It's a big deal. The shepherds were not part of like the it crowd, all right? They were with their sheep. all year long. They were dirt poor, often homeless. They were the bluest of the blue-collar workers, and some of them were pretty rough characters. They were uneducated. They were basically as low as you could get socially in Jesus' day. With that Jewish law, in the first century it didn't even allow shepherds' testimony to be admissible in court, which means legally they weren't even seen as real people, okay? So some believe the Jewish law shifted so much in Jesus' day that being a shepherd meant You were routinely spiritually unclean. And you say, okay, so what, pastor? Well, that meant these guys could not enter the temple and worship God like everybody else. Even the Gentiles, people who aren't Jewish, they had a place where they could go in the temple to worship God. But the shepherds didn't. They were not allowed to set foot in there. But in this moment, on this night, God invited these guys who were on the outside looking in, who were the lowest of the low, to be at the top of the invite list to the most important moment in history. And for you and I today, I mean, that is great news. The news that Jesus' birth came to social outcast is huge. You know, one of the themes you see constantly in Scripture is how God will use the lowest to do His highest, right? God uses our weaknesses, the small, the ordinary, the mundane, to do great things. Whatever Christ taught, He carried an anti-cultural message that shattered all the accepted norms. It's not about being born in the right place to the right people. It's not about wealth and prestige and position. Jesus turned all of that on its face. And this great news that God wants to make known, well, it wasn't solely for the Jewish people. It was for the entire world, for all people. God loves each and every person. Every life matters. He doesn't discriminate based on demographics. He doesn't care what your politics are, what your race is, what you identify as, what country you're from. The basics of God's love can be stripped down to this form. He loves you, period. Okay? That's true of every human being on this planet. God loves you. And you have infinite worth and value in His eyes. Can we just start there today? That you are loved by God and He values you regardless of who you are. Now, Jesus didn't just give this love lip service. You see it fulfilled everywhere he went. He reaches out to the poor, and the women, and the outcasts, the kids, the lepers. He spent time with people. He loved people. He had these crazy encounters, like there's a prostitute washing his feet. Uh, There's a guy that everybody hated sitting in a tree, hoping just to get the chance to see him. A naked woman, publicly stoned at his feet, accused of cheating. Tax collectors leave the lucrative jobs they had to follow him. In every instance, the encounter with Christ, there was one thing evident, people were never the same. Transformation followed. It's great news for all the people being entrusted The shepherds, was that all people are loved and all people are accepted by God. And once you understand that Jesus pursues you and He accepts you, you the immediate decision you make is, is to go, it's to do something, to let people know, right? Luke 2 verse 15, look at this. When the angels had returned to heaven, The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in the manger." The shepherds wanted to be part of the work that God would be doing in this world, and what God brought them was exactly what Christ brings us today. He brought them access. If you're a follower of Christ, don't you remember the moment when He first found you? Can you recall where you were, where, what you were doing when God interrupted your life? You, you might have felt hopeless, maybe angry. Some of you were hurt and broken, and then you met Jesus, and you discovered that God is not distant. He's not hands-off. He's given you access today. What does access do? It invokes a response on our part. We respond to the call of Christ because it's changed us forever. Access gives you hope. It gives you freedom. It gives you forgiveness and healing. You and I are faced with a choice when we're given access. We can accept this offer of salvation and transformation that God brings, or we can walk away from it. And for those who choose to accept it and walk towards Him, they gain access to everything God offers and complete and total transformation. The Samaritan woman is given access, and what does she do? She tells everyone in town about this man who told her everything that she'd ever done. Come meet this guy, she says. She's transformed. Jesus sees this woman thrown at his feet. She's caught cheating on her spouse, and you know, not just coming or going, she's actually caught in the act, we read, of cheating. So she's probably ripped out of the place that she was at no clothes on, dragged through the streets, and she finds herself at Christ's feet. And what does he do? Well, he, he stoops in the sand, and he writes, and he says, hey, you're forgiven, but stop the life of sin. Don't you think her life has changed forever? Or take the fat guy, <laughs> the guy in the tree. It's like, yes. He has access, and what happens? He sows back into the kingdom of God. He returns the money he cheated people on. He becomes, really, he becomes a financier for God's kingdom, complete and total transformation. When you meet Jesus, man, He changes you. His love penetrates your life, your soul, your heart, so much so that there's nothing left that's untouched. You start changing how you talk, where you go, how you view people in life, what relationships are defined by. It's a complete and total transformation. And the great news is that, yes, God accepts every person, but every person also has access to this life-changing transformation and eternal salvation, if they want it. It's theirs for the taking because of Christ's great sacrifice for us. Jesus' sacrifice as Savior brought access to God and His power on an unprecedented level. There isn't a temple system today. You don't have to go through a priest or a pastor or some holy person to have access to God on your behalf. You can go to God yourself. The Holy Spirit, who is not a force or an it or a thing, but a person, part of the divine Godhead, the Trinity. He resides within you and you carry the presence and the power of God with you wherever you go because you have access today. So stop putting off what you know you're supposed to do for the Lord. Come to Jesus. Who gives you access. Let go of the fear, the control, all the what-ifs, and come home to Jesus, who gives access to all that God has for you. As the author of Hebrews says, because of Jesus, we can boldly approach the throne of God's grace. You have access today. Now, Christ brings us acceptance. He brings us access. And finally, He brings us significance. In the first century, Shepherds were forbidden to herd their sheep inside the cities of Israel. They had to be kept out in the fields in the wilderness. Now, these flocks in Luke chapter 2, they weren't out in some random field in the random wilderness. Bethlehem's not very far, it's about six miles south of the city. So these fields aren't exactly like wild and open, okay? It's believed these flocks were the ones used for temple sacrifice. So every morning and evening, sacrifices were made. And these were the sheep which probably were used for those sacrifices. Can you imagine that? Like these shepherds were the first to hear of Christ's birth. They're the first to be given access to the great news that the perfect Lamb of God who would sacrifice His life to take away our sins is born. Look at verse number 10. Don't be afraid. It's the angel speaking. I'll bring you good news. It will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David. The news is significant because of what Jesus will do, yes, but it also elevates these lowly shepherds to levels of significance. This news is too great to contain. It means too much. The shepherds have to see for themselves and after they see, after they have the encounter, they can't keep it to themselves any longer either. The idea of sending angels to tell the shepherds this great news wasn't for them to keep it to themselves in their little circles and have them shake their heads at everybody else and say, you know, well, if they just only knew. That's what a lot of us do. We have this great news of salvation and transformation, but we don't always live it. We don't always live it. We don't always share it. We're content to stay with our little Christian group and marvel at how others live without Christ. You know The shepherds shared their message, and people were what? They were astonished, Luke says. They got the role that every follower of Christ takes when they've received acceptance and access and significance. When they've been transformed, they shared Jesus. The message of hope cannot be contained. Look at verse 17. After seeing Him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said. It about the child. And so all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Some of you, you've been followers of Christ for years, but your whole faith life is relegated to just emotions. You say the right things. You have the head knowledge. You, you have genuine love and care for people, but you haven't shared Jesus since you just don't know when. God didn't create you to live this way. There are people in your circles who need Jesus, who need to see your faith lived out and talked about. And I don't mean like in a Bible-beating kind of way, but seize the opportunities to insert your faith, to explain why you live the way you do when those moments arise. The shepherds didn't have training, education, they didn't have skills. They didn't spend three years with Jesus like the disciples did, okay? But what they had seen and what they had heard compelled them and it changed them so much, they had to get the word out. Every Christian has a before Christ life, addictions, hurt, brokenness, struggles, hopelessness, you name it. And then Jesus forgives you and he transforms you, offering you acceptance and access and significance. You're loved, forgiven, healed put together, forever changed. Revelation 23 says we overcome, we defeat the enemy in darkness by what? By the blood of Christ, yes, but also by our story. If God did it for me, He can do it for you. Like your story matters. Your story of Christ's love and transformation is to be shared because that's a powerful tool which can be used by God to help bring people out of darkness and into His light. And that's what the shepherds did. They shared their story. I think too often we downplay our stories. We normalize them as if they're common and plain, uninspiring. And if we do that long enough, we actually harden our hearts. And that's how we get to a place where we say things like, yeah, I look at people who are struggling, and I just don't know how they make it without Jesus. Well, the truth is, they don't know how they're going to make it either, okay? Like, they need you to step in and say, hey, like, I've been there. I got you. I know what you're walking through. And that's when Christ found me, and I've been changed ever since. And if you did it for me, I'm telling you, He's going to do it for you, too. That's your opportunity to be a support and a witness to the person who needs it most in that moment. We get to see the Bible, you know, from start to finish. The shepherds didn't. And I've often wondered, like, if they understood the magnitude of the moment, did they know that Jesus was going to be the sacrifice taking away our sins? They probably knew about Adam and Eve. Most Jews knew the Old Testament very well. Uh, They knew about the temple system and how there had to be payment for sin. That's that's their line of work, right? They knew inside the temple there was a room called the Holy of Holies where one time a year a high priest got to enter and be the sole person in God's presence on behalf of the people of Israel. He would sprinkle blood from the sacrifices on the Ark of the Covenant, specifically a place called the Mercy Seat, which covered national Israel's sin for that given year. They had to have known about the other sacrifice called the scapegoat. We get our phrase scapegoat from this. The scapegoat was sent away into the wilderness as a symbol of God taking away the people's sins for another year. Now, I just wonder if maybe they started to piece a few things together and go, you know what, like this is, yeah, this is who this baby is, you know? I, I, I really don't know. But I wonder how many, you know, how many made that alive? during Christ's death when He hung on the cross and He cried out, giving up His spirit. I wonder if they were still alive, still present, when they heard about how the 90-foot veil separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, it tore in two at the moment that Jesus died, giving people what? Access. What kept everybody out now because of the sacrifice of Christ was giving every single person access to God. It was unconventional, it was out of the ordinary, what God did sending His angels to shepherds. But who better to carry this message of God and sinner being reconciled and the very shepherds taking care of these sacrificial sheep. God didn't choose the religious priests and leadership. He didn't choose the scribes with all their education and knowledge and know-how. He didn't choose the wealthy one-percenters or the elite rulers. He chose the shepherds. The message of acceptance, access, and significance of this great news being delivered to all people was entrusted to the shepherds. Today, God entrusts you with the same message. You live your life for Christ. You carry the message of hope and transformation. The great news that God and sinner are now reconciled. No matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, the message is this, that God loves you. He loves you. He accepts you. He's given you access to Him. He's given you significance. You matter. You have a part to play in this great story that He's writing. Some of you, like the shepherds, you need to step up your game a little bit, carry that message of hope and great news with you wherever you go. And before we wrap up, I just want to pray for you guys that you'll do just that. But others of you, you're you're still needing to take that first step. You need to be reconciled with God. you got sin in your life. You have wrongs that have to be forgiven. And the great news today for you is that Christ came all those years ago just for you. He loves you. He accepts you. He's giving you access to Him and His power and His forgiveness and all that He offers. And He's giving you significance. You have a part to play. Your life will never be the same. But first, got to make the move forward. To accept what he's offering you. And I want to start there. I want to start with you today. So let's pray together. I'm going to lead you, follow and pray in your own words a prayer that kind of goes like this Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me for the wrongs that I've done. I know, Lord, that I've done things today that violate your standards, that go against who you are. And I recognize today that I can't save myself. So, God, I pray. She would forgive me for my sins. She would be the savior of my life who cleanses me of my wrong, who gives me a brand new start. And I pray, Lord, from this day forward, you be Lord of my life. I don't want to call the shots anymore. I'm not going to do my own thing. From now on, I'm committing myself to following you, to serving you. You lead me, I'm going to go. You call the shots in my life. Lord, be my Savior, and be my Lord today. And God, for those who are Christians who need to share that message of hope, give them boldness, give them strength. Lord, when opportunities arise, help them to seize those moments. Help them, God, to step in and share their story of how you changed their heart and changed their life. God, may it be inspiring to people. May it draw people, God, closer to you. Use our stories today to draw folks into your kingdom. We thank you for who you are, what you're going to do. May we live as the shepherds lived, sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or like what you heard today subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to we hope you have an amazing rest of your day